our second panel discussion that is titled The Institutionalization of Blockchain Staking. In particular, our panelists will be discussing more about decentralizing Ethereum and whether the future is liquid and last but not least, self-regulating technologies. So let's welcome our moderator, Andy Lian, NFT from Zero to Hero book author, our panelists, Anut Shankar, CEO of Luganotes, Ignis Terranius, Head of Communications and Business Development Mental Network, Ken Nizam, Founder and CEO of Asia Token Fund Group, and Chuling Chen, CEO of RockX. Everybody, let's give them a very warm welcome. Hi, good morning everyone. You know, it's good to see everyone in Singapore. And uh, today we have a lovely panel and we are going to talk about something a little bit more serious and uh, a little bit maybe more technical. So it's about blockchain, crypto staking. You know? so, so before we start the whole conversation, we will have a round of uh, introduction. You know, let's start off with Ken. Uh, morning everyone. Uh, thank you so much for having me here. So my name is Ken Izam. I'm the founder and CEO of Asia Token Fund Group. Uh, also a member of Forbes Council, uh, KOL for Binance and CoinMarketCap. And what we do is we are a venture builder, a VC, as well as a go-to-market agency. I'm based in Singapore with a team of over 35, uh, based all across the world. And we do a lot on uh, uh, crypto investments. So I think this is one of the subjects that you know, really intrigued me. Yeah, thanks. Hi, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Julian Chen. So I'm the CEO of RockX. So at RockX, we do two things. So for any companies or developers who want to interact or get onto blockchain, we have the access point for you, for you to scale. And once you start to have tokens and you want to generate a self-custodial uh, income, which is staking, we run validators. So yeah, we've been doing this for the past four years. It's very excited to be here to share our experience. Hi everyone, my name is Ignis Serenus. I'm the public liaison for Mento. I look after comms and uh, BD stuff. So uh, Mento is uh, uh, EVM L2 and uh, it's uh, uh, modular and high performance. And we recently just did a, a brand merger with BitDAO, one of the largest uh, decentralized autonomous organizations in the world as well. And inheriting uh, uh, you know, one of the largest on-chain treasury, currently sitting about 3.8 billion. So, uh, yeah, our mission is to kind of like, uh, help uh, the wide adoption of uh, decentralized technologies uh, through, you know, our development of uh, our upcoming uh, Mento L2 as well as uh, uh, a liquid staking derivative product that is coming up. So, pretty relevant to the conversation, I guess. Thanks, Ignis. Hey, guys. Uh, good morning. I'm Anuj uh, from Luganodes. So, I'm the CEO of Luganodes. We are a Swiss-operated non-custodial staking provider. So currently, we are the world's fastest-growing staking provider. We manage around 700 million USD worth of staked assets across 22-plus proof-of-stake networks. So we run validators on each of these, and we also provide a lot of different other infra services to various different blockchains that we work with. Uh, so that's, that's like a quick intro. That's, that's great. So for myself, I wear various hats, but today I'm just a book author. And I have a lot of questions in mind about how, how staking is going to work, how, how institutions are, are taking a, a bigger role you know, within this uh, crypto staking um, environment. You know. let's, let's start off with the first question. You know. How can institutional investors 
effectively manage their risk when participating in uh, blockchain staking? What risk management strategies are being used? Any gentleman who would love to take this question first? Yeah, I can uh, probably start. So, um, uh, when it comes to managing risks for uh, various institutions, especially when they are participating in staking, usually, um, you know, it starts with the due diligence of the network itself. So, when I say due diligence of the network itself, it means, you know, things like uh, the security of the chain, uh, the governance of the chain, how it is managed and how it is, uh, you know, uh, handled, right? Uh, so things like those typically are pretty important. So due diligence is one of the key um, uh, decisions or uh, key part of the risk metrics that usually institutions take up. Then secondly, um, you know, diversification when it comes to choosing multiple staking providers, right? So even if uh, one of the providers that they have worked with uh, doesn't work out pretty well, you know, the other ones can always help them uh, diversify their overall choices for staking with multiple people, right? So that's something that uh, usually institutions should typically take care of. Like, uh, for example, when we are working with various custodians, they give um, the institutions options of staking with multiple providers. So typically, uh, institutions select multiple providers to just diversify the overall risk. So that is number two. And number three is on, um, you know, the overall uh, regulatory compliance, right? So that's something that is always a tricky part. Um, but usually it's always beneficial to be in touch with the regulator and to just uh, check with the staking providers as well as to what is the latest regulatory scheme uh, in the geography in which they are staking. So that's, that's something uh, important to take care of. So these are some of the three points that I wanted to mention. That's good insights. Yeah. Okay. I think the most fundamental is to really understand what the risks are first, you know, before you try to mitigate them. Definitely, when it comes to st crypto staking, you know that you're going to lock your funds up for quite a long time. You know, it can be short, but it can be long as well. But for me, there are three fundamental risks. Number one, of course, is crypto volatility. You know, when you stake the, the prices of crypto, the value of your assets. Number two is the security of the network. You know, how well do you know the team behind it or how stable the network is? You research you know, how many times has the network been bugged or, or been hacked. Uh, number three is the platform itself. How safe and secure are the platforms? There are no platforms that can guarantee you 100% security. I mean, like FTX Collapse, you know, one of the biggest. So how can the rest ensure that you know, they won't collapse? So these are the three big risks there is. Having said that, I think you have spoken about the first three points. I would like to add two more points I think can, can be added as an extra layer for mitigating risk. Number one would be custodian service. There's quite a lot of custodian services out there. Some are really good and reputable. Now, this adds as an extra layer of protection for your funds, especially if you are new to crypto. You know, because you know, from the trend that you know, I've been noticing right now that you know, there's a lot of crypto VCs out there. They are experts. They have been there, done that, done. But right now, what we're noticing, there's a lot of new, newer family offices or newer HNW, high net worth, that's coming into the space. You know, they don't want to go through the VC route because they want to profit more, but they don't really understand the fundamental. So I think having a custodian services would be good. And number three, a bit basic, would be some staking platforms offers insurance. You know, and this insurance can protect you. Again, when we talk about institutional investors, we don't really care about volatility. I mean, 
we all have risk appetite. You know, institution have risk appetite. So, but the most important is protecting your assets from being hacked, from being bugged, or just lost of assets. So, custodial volatility. I mean, custodial and insurance might play a good role in that. Yeah. So, understanding the risk, the three factor of risk, the first three points, and plus my two points. So, I think that's quite okay. Yeah. Yeah, maybe just to, um, I think these two gentlemen has covered most of the things, but uh, I'm just going to rephrase it a little bit differently. Uh, if you're looking at staking, actually you're looking at a long-term yield that comes from the network itself. So meaning that if you look at Ethereum, for example, as an internet company or even an internet territory, staking yield is basically the sovereignty bond that you're dealing with, right? So just like you're buying, investing in any sovereignty bond, the first thing you look at is the currency risk, meaning that do you believe in this company or do you believe in that economy? So you look at the network activity. You look at how robust the network is. So that's how you draw a conclusion whether you want to do more on Ethereum or you want to do on Polkadot or you want to do Cosmos, etc. Yeah, then the second thing is just like Ken mentioned, you need to really understand, okay, who is holding your principal, right? That's your asset. Are you entrusting a third party to do it? Are they trustworthy? How are they doing? Are you comfortable with that, right? And, or are you doing it uh, in a self-custodial way? And the, second, the third point is that, you know, when, when, the, uh, when the rewards is being generated, number one, who manages that reward for you? Is this directly from the network itself or somebody is holding that and distribute it to you? This is totally different you know, from a business uh, uh, model perspective. And of course, the counterparty risk you have is only one because in this whole business, your, your principal is always safe, but you don't want to have slash. So that's also similar to what King was mentioning. You, know, you need to look at, okay, so the staking provider, how they're actually doing, uh, running all the servers. Are they managing their private keys in a secure way? Um, so these are the questions usually you need to ask. And of course, end of the day, this is a very new industry, so diversification is very important. Yeah, uh, especially as you grow. Like for example, uh, yeah, Ignatius has mentioned that okay, if your asset is above one billion dollars, you probably don't want to put everything in one custody or in one uh, staking provider. This is what we have seen in U.S. because a lot of uh, potential customers are talking to us because now they're looking at offshore alternatives. They're looking at diversifications. Uh, I guess kind of like I, I come from like the, the uh, sort of complementary view because everyone else here is like an institution looking to stake their funds, whereas we kind of like a service provider. I think everyone said here was like really to the point that you, you want to kind of like have, have more knowledge and, and more kind of like, uh, educate yourself better going in. I think a lot of more important is that uh, you don't see it as a transactional, uh, just a simple transaction, rather build, uh, you know, deep foundations and, and like good relationship and really kind of like find a team that you can trust. I understand kind of trust might be a dirty word in like, a, you know, what's supposed to be a trustless protocol uh, service, but, you know, uh, at the end of the day, uh, behind uh, the code and, uh, you know, the, the decentralized protocols, we're dealing with people. And, you know, a lot of times, like, you, you can still use the due diligence of a traditional uh, financial market in this space, especially when dealing with people. It's important that you find, you know, uh, 
protocols and, and peoples and teams and uh, you know code that you can basically see uh, who are building for the long term instead of you know just going there for the quick buck because there is uh, heightened activity on a particular chain. Thanks, Ignis. I, I, I strongly agree with uh, all the panelists on, on their points. But uh, maybe following from uh, what Ignis has, has mentioned, you know, what we talk about could be something that is more, um, more, more trust-driven, right? But of course, there are a lot of zero-trust kind of uh, protocol that there's in the, in the space, zero-knowledge mechanism that, that involves in the whole staking process. How do you see that kind of mechanism working for institution? Is it, is it much more safer? Do you think it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot more palatable for, for institutions to enter the market because of such mechanism? Maybe, Zuling, you, you can touch on some of this. Um, yeah, just my personal thought here, right? Um, staking is not really a new concept. If you look at the proof-of-work world, there is mining, right? So you have physical machines, that secures the network, process the transactions, hence you generate the yield. Staking is basically the new type of mining mechanism in the proof of stake area, right? So now your tokens together with the server becomes a virtual mining machine that safeguards Ethereum and hence you are rewarded for the work you do. Yep. So, I mean, first of all, I just want to make this point. So this is not really an interest that you earn on your capital. In fact, you're doing work, right? This is more to SEC, you know, so they need to understand. This is actually a work done and you're rewarded for that. And if you think from an institutional uh, perspective, mining, BTC mining has been very institutionalized. We've seen public listed companies get into mining. We've seen a lot of banks doing, you know, financing into mining. So actually, this is a natural extension that people will start to see, oh, okay, so staking is actually you know, another type of uh, fixed income that um, you know, comes from the network itself. Yeah, so in, uh, having that said, you know, so we think uh, institutions are going to understand that because it's easier to argue that layer one tokens are utility tokens compared to whether it's a DeFi token or it's a uh, NFT or something. Right, um, and the second point here is that okay. So once you start, you get into this. How can you make it more secure using new technology? Um, so one particular technology we're looking at is distributed validator technology. So what it means is that we're gonna we're getting into an era where each servers are not gonna have a full private key. So meaning that even if you know a, a provider like us got hacked, nobody can touch the private keys. So there's no security issue anymore. And also, this generates a new era. We will be validating the validators with our clients together. We are backing each other up. Right? So this improves the performance. This also improves the security level. So this is something that we have been building uh, together with the SSV team uh, for the past one year, because we see this is a really important technology that can remove another layer of trust uh, on this whole network. Yeah, so I'm just going to stop here. Yeah. That's good insights. So, Ignace, you want to add on? Yeah, sure. I really like the fact that sort of like this, this to remind people that when you are staking, you are actively securing the network. So, you know, like if, if it's a network that 
you know, doesn't really have that many users. So, you know, uh, because we're building on L2, we're actually quite bearish on alt L1s. We really think it's important that, you know, you have a vibrant economy that's already going on. Uh, I know we were going to sort of segue into liquid staking la later, but the idea is that you want those kind of like uh, derivatives, liquid staking derivatives, or like, you know, your staking rewards to be in an active economy that can be used, that has utility, rather than just kind of like simple rewards, then people are just going to sell it on. If it is like, if the entire purpose of those rewards are that people just can sell it for fiat, then you don't have an internally circulating economy, then you don't really, you're not really creating utility other than kind of like generating some sort of like, you know, very much like DeFi farming rewards. So we really think, you know, uh, DeFi kind of captures so much, uh, so much attention to people, but the next kind of like, uh, uh, area of focus in this is really going to be liquid staking, uh, derivative, Fi or LSD Fi, which you know is something that has utility that you know your 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 derivatives can be used for gas for you know other uh, you know usage within like a larger vibrant ecosystem where developers are actively building. Then you know uh, you don't actually need to just sell it. You actually can accrue it uh, with like value, kind of like always coming back to the to the hand. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, coming back to the uh, question, right? So, which was around zero trust and uh, zero knowledge. So, these mechanisms obviously uh, are the pure reasons why we are sitting in this conference as well, because the whole space preaches about how do we create trustless systems, right? The reason why Web3 came about was, um, you know, um, the sole reason of um, people not being able to trust this one singular uh, central party, right? So in order to distribute the power, you know, these technologies have been built out. And obviously, as any technology, these are not foolproof, right? There are always uh, risks and uh, there are always uh, loopholes in each of these technologies. But as we see uh, this industry progressing, we are able to, you know, um, see solid teams building on you know, uh, this particular zero-knowledge proof and, you know, zero-trust technologies. Uh, you know, just to quote some examples, Polygon ZKVM or the, you know, um, for example, the ZK Sync team is also working on something pretty, um, you know, uh, innovative as well, right? So these are the kind of technology that's going to prevail in the longer run because, you know, uh, we see the power shifting from the centralized bodies to these decentralized systems that, you know, people are working towards and building. So definitely institutions need to also level up and, you know, come and participate in these type of systems where, um, you know, uh, the network is not just owned by a few people, but rather masses of people. And uh, the transactions that are happening on the network are uh, more seamless uh, when, you know, you have, like, non-decentralized control over it. So that's, that's just to add uh, on the overall uh, zero trust. Zero trust and uh, zero knowledge mechanism. But thank you. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. You know, what Anush said that you know the network should have more people coming in to validate. I think this is the fundamentals of what staking is. It's not just for you to to put your crypto there and yield. It actually contributes to the network itself, to the security itself. You know, when a validator stake or lock up their funds, you no, know, it ensures that they don't do malicious acts or be a bad player or else their funds will get slashed, right? So I think this is quite important. So again, you know, setting up or being a validator itself is not as simple as it is because, you know, you have to have technical knowledge, setting it up, maintaining it takes a lot of work and it 
even if you are not doing some malicious act, if, but just doing simple technical mistake, you know, they might still slash you, slash your assets, right? But I think these are the securities that it is important. But again, when you talk about institutional validators, you know, for example, Ethereum itself, you need to stake at least 32 ETH, which is about $60,000. But again, currently, there are over 230,000 validators times 32 ETH. That's how much you, know, you get. Uh, so I think that there needs to be a mechanism to make it more secure. But I think to get more people in, especially institutional, and right now at the age where there's a lot of newer people or newer, let's say, family officers or newer high net worth coming in, they need to make the process more simple. Because if you deep dive and talk all technical, how many people out there with a lot of money knows or bothers to do a lot of technical research? They probably have money, but they want something simple and secure. So I think that's what blockchain is supposed to be. You want to have a mass adoption. You know, keep the technical complexity to the tech people, to MIT and whatnot. But you need to adopt the billion people who probably don't have technical knowledge, but they have the resources for it. So make it simple and foolproof, but secure at the same time. Yeah. That's great. great Sorry, great, if great I may just add one point, because no I, I think Ken had a, a fantastic point. Because now we're talking about institution, institutionalization, right? So number one, the easiness of using that technology is really important. Um, I mean, if you're going to a board decision and you're not really trying to make everyone understand what is decentralization, actually, they're going to ask you two questions. They're going to ask, if something goes wrong, who should I call? You know, who's my, who holds the counterparty liability? You know, that's the reason why, you know, as a company who serves institutions, we do need to work on, you know, the entity side as well as the legal side. We need to be very clear on, okay, these are, what are the things that we are managing, what are the risks we are holding? You know, that's very important. And secondly, we need to make sure that, okay, we tell the institutions, okay, if you want to stake, it's basically a three steps operation. And this only involves your IT team and doesn't require 24 seven monitoring, etc. Then we also need to tell their finance team, hey, we have a dashboard that actually helps you to track your reward every day. So you can explain to your auditor you know, where does that additional revenue come from? You know, these things, two years ago, we don't have that because we're talking to developers. We're talking to, you know, fund, uh, the blockchain foundations. They don't need that education or they don't need that assistance. But now as we get, the industry gets more mature, all those things come. That makes us, everyone, super busy right now. Yeah. Tr trust me, I deal with a lot of uh, institutions. They would prefer to call Satoshi or Vit Vitalik directly to get answers. But... But that, that's, a, that's a separate thing. But, but again, you know, flowing from, from the, 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 the current topic, you know, two weeks ago I was in uh, Monaco. You know, I met up with one of the private bank. So they say that, oh, so, so there's one segment you know, of the private bank. They say, I, I have an AUM of about 30 mil, uh, 30B, sorry. They say, oh, maybe we will put in about 10% you know, into, into the crypto business. Then the next question they ask is, if today I'm going to put that kind of money in, what kind of returns can I get, you know? And then while talking, you know, at, at Monaco, there are other sports team who came by and said, so how can you or the platforms incentivize us to come in? Is it really that safe? So maybe my question is, how can we think of some anger that can really incentivize institutions with serious money 
to really come in and put in some serious good liquidity you know to the to the to the to the whole to the whole staking process you know what what kind of incentive can we can we look at yeah probably i can uh, quickly start so i think just to add to what uh, zuling just mentioned uh, which is more around customized staking right so giving them um, the flexibility of the amount that they can stake so that, let's start with that right so currently there is a, a problem of you know um, in ethereum staking for example you need minimum 32 ethereum uh, to be staked and usually this capital cannot be pooled very easily right but there are a few mechanisms like for example liquid staking uh, through you know lido rocket pool and the others who have built the solution um, can be used so one one a uh, piece of the puzzle is basically do you have enough flexibility in terms of staking the asset that you have second is around um, you know the overall solutions to uh, manage your earnings right so what uh, zuling just mentioned uh, is the staking provider or the provider that you are working with able to provide you with insights on your earnings so right now it's such a fragmented space that uh, let's say you are uh, staking five different assets it becomes very hard for you to track uh you know how much you are actually making on various different protocols taking that you are uh, doing right so um using some sort of a reporting mechanism or a dashboard where people can see their overall earnings on a daily monthly yearly basis so that they can easily get their books also uh financially audited by their auditors right so that becomes much easier for them to uh, convince them to stake as well then the other point that uh, also um, ken mentioned previously was around slashing insurance so giving them the uh, overall uh, comfort on the asset itself right so that they become more comfortable when they are staking um, and they don't think about the um, principal loss itself right so uh, educating them on why slashing occurs what are the different scenarios and then how a provider can protect them from those scenarios is something that is pretty critical as well and there are a bunch of different slashing insurance providers now and we are seeing more and more institutional slashing insurance providers coming in for example munich ray has also you know started pairing up with uh, this company called chainproof uh, and you know they have been rolling out uh, slashing insurances for uh, staking providers to procure right so that is something that is uh, instrumental happening in this industry already and people are acknowledging this uh, last two years people as you know uh, zulin mentioned didn't care much because you know it it was just uh, developers who were dealing with uh, the overall protocol staking but now since institutions wants to come in uh, they look for how do they protect their principal how do they you know um, uh, get a stable yield because i face this question every time whenever i am facing an institution the first question i get is what is the return that you are going to give it's very hard to predict because you know we are into non custodial staking and uh, the way the yield is also calculated is uh very non traditional right it depends on uh the overall staking activity that is happening on the chain so uh um, you cannot the answer is not like 8% or 7% or 6% this numbers keep varying based on the overall activity on chain right so um these these type of toolings always help to onboard institutions much easily and then also as an organization if you are uh, you know able to provide some comfort around the security audits right so getting yourself as a business audited for iso 27001 or maybe soc 2 type 2 or you know getting yourself um, compliant on these different um, you know security audit parameters usually help them and give them a better comfort 
uh, on staking as well because you have proven to them that you know from a security standpoint you have taken the right set of measures in order to avoid uh, the slashing risks right this is nice how about from a mentor perspective I think one thing that we would start to kind of like invite, uh, you know, uh, those people who are looking, institutions who are looking at it, to take a more long-term view instead of just kind of seeing it as, a, you know, interest, interest-bearing financial instrument or like a bond. Rather, like staking, you're also staking, you know, your institution into this part of future technology that will see more adoption. Um, and, you know, it's a fast-moving landscape as well. Like uh, before the Chappelle upgrade, like by staking on, the beacon chain, you're actually locking up your capital, and then you basically can't withdraw it. But like, so like, currently the the largest kind of staking pools you have Lido, you have Rocket Pool, and then Coinbase, Kraken both have their uh, you know uh, custodial staking products. But with the Chappelle upgrade, now you can withdraw. Now you no longer need an Oracle to to facilitate the withdrawal. Now basically, you can pre-sign a uh, transaction when you opt in already to close it and then when you want to withdraw you can just uh, enact that pre-signed transaction so it's a fast-moving industry just like what you said like basically a couple of years ago people were only talking to uh, you know developers but now you you can you kind of see more and more of those kind of like more customer friendly uh, approach when it really is like inviting everyone in so I think you know it's just kind of like uh, it does reward uh, participants when they educate themselves. And then, you know, those family offices, those institutions, they should probably hire at least one or two uh, experts, engineers who actually understand or who have had actual hands-on experience in building kind of like those protocols so that not only is this kind of like, you know, a, a hedge, like alternative investment, but it's also kind of like, you know, this thing is going to be big. Everyone, like, I think more or less every, everyone has arrived at somewhat a consensus this is something that's going to only go up only in the future. So it might be, you know, a good idea to already stake a part of your future with it instead of just seeing it as a, you know, 8% a year uh, return, uh, you know, bond. Good. Zuli? Yeah, just my personal experience. Um, institutions need less of incentives, but more of assur- assurance, right? They're more looking at the the downside before we start to talk about the upside. Um, so having that said, one of the things that, you know, when we talk about staking is that you have two ways to do that. One way is that you own all those nodes or validators yourself. So meaning that those all belong to you. Or you can mix up with others, which is more like liquid staking, right? Uh, each comes its own merit. But for institutions, one thing you need to ask yourself is that am I comfortable with mixing my assets with others? Or can I actually exp- explain to my compliance, you know, because that is not kyc But of course, you know, in the future, there will be kyc uh, protocols. So for example, what we build is actually a kyc model for liquid staking. Uh, we think that's more, that's more suitable for institutions. But this is one consideration they need to look at, right? Then the other thing here is that then you need to look at, okay, in terms of partners or uh, those validators, um, you know, in terms of the technical design, can you actually explain uh, internally or get your buy-in that this is something that you think you own it, right? Um, we do think just like, you know, when people start to get into cloud, this is uh, in, into servers. It's always about their own servers first, then cloud, then maybe in the future it's more of a hybrid. Um, yeah, so we are more work- focusing on working on the 
assurance to institutions. Um, and we think the time will come, you know, once, because their customers are actually pushing them. They're, they're calling them up. Why you are not trying that, right? So they do have a urge of doing something. But now we're just trying to eliminate that concern at the back of their head. Yeah, I think everyone has answered it perfectly. I think just to add one note only, I think the most important thing that, you know, institution, big institution or retail, uh, you know, investors, uh, having into consideration is always about the security, not really about the rewards. Rewards, yes, it's quite straightforward. You know, token value, volatility is also quite straightforward, but the security it is, you know, having gone through the past few months where a lot of crypto companies collapse, a lot of, you know, with the likes of 3AC, FTX, and, and right now, Kraken, Binance, Coinbase, having issues with SEC. So the sense of security for investors, not only to, let's say, put the asset on the exchange to trade, is also, it's already worrisome, yet alone to lock it up for a few months on that platform itself, not knowing whether the SEC is going to shut them down and the, the funds going to get frozen or the, the platform is just going to get collapsed. And again, in the crypto space, you know, you hardly win any legal battles. You know, unless you spend a lot of money, then to win a legal battle is not even worth it. So having a trustworthy platform, again, is just words. Having audits is just words. Knowing who's behind it, you never know who they are. They can be big billionaires, but they can still be out there scamming you, shutting down the system and stuff. But again, basic fundamental, there should be they should have in the system, for example, custodians, insurance. I think these are very important to safeguard, especially for new institutions. So again, referencing the traditional banking that gives you a sense of assurance. I think blockchain should also give you the sense of assurance through these two ways. All right, we still have a little bit of time. Just one final round just to, for everybody. Quick words, maybe 30 seconds. Just... Give, give your last, last few words before we end the whole session. Yeah. Um, so just to end, you know, give my quick thoughts. Uh, we are definitely seeing a lot of institutions get into crypto staking. That is for sure. We are getting in a lot of requests uh, from various different uh, VCs, hedge funds, um, uh, crypto custodians and whatnot to uh, get involved in this conversation of uh, staking itself and the volume of the capital that is also coming in is very very high so that's just a good sign and obviously we have seen players like JP Morgan players like the traditional uh, banking systems you know also uh, getting onboarded in general into the space so we are just yet to see when they start participating in uh, the overall staking ecosystem and accelerate uh, the overall, um, you know, the security of the blockchain, which is why the staking first came into the picture. So that's that's the. Yeah, I think for you know uh, institutions coming in with uh, uh, like little or no experience, it's it's good to find like a centralized platform and you know someone who helps sort of like as as a custodian partner. But as they get more comfortable, as they kind of like, uh, accumulate more experience, it's always good to look at kind of like you know decentralized permissionless code code basically like that is that is open source then you can actually audit it you can actually you know have your own team run it and then you can have a test environment because uh, you know uh, when it's kind of like objectively there it's just uh, it's it's just algorithm then you can actually cut through a lot of the noise and then really find where value is where you know uh, uh, participation can 
you know, really be scalable instead of when you're dealing with the meat factor, the human factor, there's always the bottleneck of, you know, how many labor, how many, uh, how, how much, in, how incent, uh, intensive the, the whole uh, uh, operation is. Yeah, so what has happened last year is definitely a, is, is alarming to the institutions, right? If they look at, you know, how many, how many uh, you know, assets were wiped out, how many companies were wiped out. Uh, but just to set the record straight, what happened last year was mostly on the centralized crypto entities, right? It was a clear lack of risk control, and that's what we should learn about it. But if you look at the technology itself, it's still working. Staking does not fail last year. It was more on you know, the uh, like exchanges, custody lenders. And second thing is that crypto space is big enough right now. You can either look at it as a financial, industri- financial uh, infrastructure, but you can also look at it as a new internet. But regardless, blockchain is the one that empowers all of them. And staking is the fundamental mechanism or we are the ones that actually operates the blockchains to make sure that it's, it's, it's safe, right? Um, so this is the first time actually exciting that by operating the blockchains, you are rewarded with a, with a, with a yield. Yeah, so that for any institutions, this is an opportunity, number one, from a technology perspective, and also take the yield as a financial opportunity. I think there are so many things people can do with that. I think the best part about staking that I really love, you know, besides you know, securing the network, you know, validating it, I think it's more towards when you stake, you know, you're actually reducing. You know, think about it, you're actually reducing the token supply. Thus, you're actually, you know, in the end, creating this more of a like, stabilized or increasing value of the tokens. So the more we get institutions to stake, the more supplies of the tokens limited, and you know, the value just gets better. And, and we can see slightly more bullish market comes ahead, you know, especially with a lot of staking platform you know, popping up and a lot of institutions actually joining and staking. So this might be one of the ways that we could you know, finally get off the bearish market or even stabilize the market, you know, that's the, the beauty of it. But again, you know, for everyone, especially in, be it institutional or retail, you know, know your risks, uh, know, do some due diligence and always invest what you are willing to lose. And that's about it. My, my final words is uh, more practical. You know, when we talk about big institutions and so forth, I think one point that uh, Zuling has mentioned is that it will be fantastic if you can get an in-house expert you know, to make sure that you really know what you're talking about. Because, because on a personal side, we deal with some big brands, you know, that, that's uh, looking at activating Web3, for example. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be very tough because the legal guys will not understand what we are trying to do. You know, and then if you're talking about staking from an institution standpoint, 100%, you know, we need expert in-house to make sure that they are well protected. With that, thanks everybody. Great panel today. Thank you. Thanks.